Hello, and welcome to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about how we can reimagine the Canadian economy in this time of unprecedented change. I'm your host, John Stackhouse. When it comes to the pandemic, it's hard to imagine a business model that was more vulnerable to this kind of lockdown than the shopping mall. Malls are the very symbol of a social gathering place in the age of commerce. So when social distancing rules were put into effect, every shopping mall in the world was put on notice. But a funny thing is happening as we move to reopen communities and each of us starts to wander back into the economy. Malls too are coming out of hibernation and some may use this moment to transform their models. They're disrupting themselves. Ever since malls were created, they've evolved and their existence has outlived many predictions of their demise. Many today are reimagining themselves as service centers where anchor stores are replaced with fitness and beauty centers, restaurants, or even medical providers. Others are positioning themselves as destinations for people wanting to listen to music or see a fashion runway. But the real innovators know that for malls to survive and thrive, they'll need to do more than bring people back. They need to work with our data. One mall owner that's trying to create a new digitally oriented future is Cadillac Fairview, which owns 68 properties in Canada, including the Pacific Centre in Vancouver and Toronto's Eaton Centre. CF, as it's known, is building a digital platform that it thinks can enhance the shopper's in-person experience and give retailers an advantage over the purely online global platforms like Amazon. They see a future built on a blended platform that gives shoppers the best of both worlds, e-commerce and the mall, wherever you are. Jose Rebo is the head of innovation at Cadillac Fairview. Like so many innovators, COVID forced him and his team to compress years of planning into weeks of execution. Jose, welcome to RBC Disruptors. Thanks for having me, John. Well, it's great to connect with you even from a distance. And maybe you give us a sense of how bad it is out there in terms of damage to what I might call the mall economy. It's a great way to start. I can tell you from a retail client perspective, there's a lot of pain that they're going through right now and seeing a number of bankruptcy filings, number of significant layoffs, marketing budgets have been cut. At the same time, there's peak volumes in e-commerce fulfillment, you know, like we have never seen before in Canada. And so there's this flux of different shopping behaviors, but large retailers and small alike are experiencing quite a bit of pain from the drop in, in physical in mall shopping. Jose, you work for Cadillac Fairview, which is an iconic name in Canadian real estate. And even those who aren't familiar with the enterprise are very familiar with its properties. Can you give us a sense of the scale and ambition of Cadillac Fairview? We have been focused on being a strong owner, operator and developer of office mixed use and retail properties across North America. We've also made investments in, in both mixed use and industrial real estate in Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico. So in fact, many people don't know that our platform and footprint continues beyond the border of Canada and the US. But all in all, within Canada, 68 properties that include many of the iconic buildings you'd know, such as the Toronto Dominion Centre downtown, the Eaton Centre, Pack Center West, among others. And we're quite proud of those physical assets. As you can imagine, what has been missing in real estate for some time is this notion of turning those physical assets into a space that can be embracing of digital experiences. And so very proud of our heritage. And now it's a question of how we continue to do that while also becoming more relevant to the digital consumer. 
As we start to think about malls reopening, and we're probably all eager to get back into that kind of physical space to some extent, what should we be expecting? Well, the first thing I want to acknowledge is with that increased volume we're seeing in the digital economy, the customer expectation has changed. And so one thing I can tell you is that what customers are telling us, curbside zones are likely here to stay. That's helping to alleviate a pain point. As you can imagine, they're having trouble in opening stores and having to rehire some of the people that they've laid off in the case of retailers. So I think landlords like Cadillac Forview can't sit on the sidelines anymore. And so we have a number of initiatives, including one we like to call front door, where we've actually stood up a platform for retailers to start engaging and recruiting new recruits to help them even with that part of the process, because we know that they're overwhelmed with everything that's going on. And then I would say the third is, at the end of the day, the customer is expecting the mall to be a safe, protective place with great signage and allow me to come and experience and be inspired. But tell me where the hand sanitizer is and help me put on a face mask if I need help with that and and better wayfinding and signage. Even before... COVID, I think we have to recognize a lot of malls were struggling. So COVID didn't bring this on necessarily. There was a growing school of thought that if malls were going to survive, they had to focus on quality and experience is a word I hear a lot. Those Instagrammable backdrops so people could take pictures of themselves in the mall and and share it. Lots of interesting trends. How much of that do you think continues in the new environment? It's interesting you should ask because we actually had a number of pilots that we ran last year in a number of our properties just to start testing different types of experiences. And the feedback at the time was that the idea of going to a shopping mall to simply pick up an item or to browse has now extended into you know a social gathering of some kind, perhaps a business lunch with a colleague. And throughout that whole experience, what we've learned is it is a destination. And so Some of the trends that we're likely going to see coming out of COVID would be continuation of these new experiences, thinking through how we make it entertaining for the customer to shop. And given COVID, an example that we're working on and something that we hope to bring forward for retailers to to take advantage of is, you know, customers are, are not necessarily going to want to transact the same way they did before. So they might have buy the product in the store, but perhaps have it shipped to home or have it delivered to their car or have it delivered to their office. And in fact, if you think about it, we'll actually make the shopping experience closer to a digital experience and much more enjoyable. I think the idea of showrooming at scale with the experience at the forefront is something we're likely going to see more of. When I think of malls, I think of crowds of people with lots of bags, shoulder to shoulder, high energy. Is that aspect of malls going to continue post-COVID? It is quite possible that crowds could return at some point in the future. But for now, the health and safety of our consumer and retailer clients are paramount. So I'll give you an example of what we're doing to make sure it's a positive experience. You know, as our malls have been reopening, there is pent-up appetite as you know, for people to go out and experience their surroundings. And so lineups can form outside of a retailer in a common area in the property. Well, as a service that we're going to be piloting and standing up for our properties, a line management solution that allows a customer to basically check in virtually so that they don't have to subject themselves to standing, idling, 
waiting with a number of other guests. And so those types of solutions that are introducing technology into the physical space will allow the customer to be in better control of their shopper journey. And so we think we can help alleviate the crowd idea by making it safe and using technology to help. Malls are very much about economies of scale and economic efficiency, but they're also about the experience that you mentioned. It's about emotion. It's a feeling that everyone gets in kind of different ways when they go to a mall. Many groups are now working on that. One is the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, or CAFA, an industry group that's brought together 160 retailers to promote what they call Wear Canada Proud. Here's what they're learning. My name is Vicki Milner, and I'm the co-founder and president of CAFA. CAFA is an organization that was started about eight years ago to celebrate and support the Canadian fashion industry. As soon as COVID-19 hit, we launched a huge two-day online shopping event with over 160 Canadian brands from all over the country to encourage people to shop local and buy Canadian. And this shopping event, it's called Wear Canada Proud. It's an online shopping event with special and exclusive promotions. And I hope that not only does this event bring awareness and eyeballs and funds to these brands, hopefully people discover new brands that they can later buy as a gift during the holidays or a birthday present because the whole supporting local and buying Canadian hopefully isn't just because of COVID. Past the pandemic, CAFA is going to be doing more online shopping events. I think it's a great way to get many brands engaged from emerging brands to more established brands. It promotes discovery and sales and will continue to do a bit of a hybrid because many people, though, I think will want to also come back to stores as the economy slowly recovers and things start opening up because going back to a mall or visiting a store is part of, of a social interaction, browsing, touching, feeling, talking to someone about a product, trying something on. But I think it will return to a hybrid. Telling a brand's story now and making that experience of buying it should be a focus for, for a lot of brands. From Vicky, it's clear that online shopping is an opportunity for brands to develop a digital footprint. They can expand their reach from coast to coast to coast and offer more variety. Jose, you've just launched something called Ravel and the Live by CF app. Maybe describe the program for us and what you're trying to achieve. So essentially what Ravel is, it's an organization that's focused on removing the friction from today's shopping experience. So what we're going to try and do is have a number of solutions that help bridge the benefits of a digital experience with the pleasure of a physical experience. And that entity is set up in such a way that we can develop our own technology, work with technology partners, scale it, test and learn, and have the flexibility to do so. The reason we called it Ravel is at the time when we set this up in 2019, you know, so much talk of the unraveling of retail. Well, our mission is to basically bring it back together. So that's on the business side. On the consumer side, the Live by CF app, it puts the directory in your pocket. It allows you to navigate the property safely. It also has access to COVID-related protocols. And in fact, we've even gone to the extent of allowing you to find hand sanitizer solutions in the app. And of course, there will be offers and products that you can search for. So basically, it's a virtual mall in your pocket that allows you to start the journey before you get there. And we want to take advantage of this shift to digital because as much as digital is great and it's very efficient, 
it's also quite transactional. So wouldn't it be great if you could have the efficiency of a digital platform, but still try the Blazor on before you buy it? And that's essentially what we're doing with the app to begin with. Amazon is one of your big competitors. They might argue that they're the virtual mall or Alibaba or Shopify doing that in different ways as well. If they also are creating what you call the digital marketplace and they've got a scale that's beyond almost our imagination, what's to stop them from doing what you're doing and disintermediating the creator of products and the consumer of those products? We are essentially providing a service that we believe helps digitize the storefronts in our own property to help the retailers get access to our clients and help the customer come back in a more productive way. We believe in all retail is good retail and the Amazon Shopify's of the world are scalable platforms, but there is a big part that they're missing, which is that physical experience. And we think that's the space that we are best suited to play in, but it was time for the landlord to extend, to provide a more digital experience because that's what customers expect. So much of what we're talking about is rooted in data. And data is not just a tool. It's not just a bunch of numbers. It's a mindset. It's an approach to business. In Canada, Cineplex has long been a leader in data strategies. Just think of its scene program. And as we all know, it was hit harder by COVID than most mall tenants. Here's what they're planning for the recovery. Hi, my name is Fab Stanger. I'm with Cineplex Digital Media. Cineplex's business model has been impacted by the pandemic in a number of different ways. Our core business has been shuttered since March 16th, and no films have been exhibited in any of our locations, nor have any of our rec rooms been operating. Cineplex Digital Media has continued to operate. The pandemic has given us an opportunity to develop a number of new tools. As the physical and digital journeys merge, brand marketers, media buyers, and retailers, of which Cineplex is one, uh, are all looking for hyper-personalized, contextualized, data-driven, measurable content on the path to purchase and at the point of sale. Through the use of digital merchandising solutions, which allow us to move very quickly. And even now, as we move forward into the digital out of home spaces, of which Cadillac Fairview is one, being able to target messaging, give people comfort in the space as different phases of the pandemic are rolling out to be able to quickly put that messaging up is key to our partners uh, and Cineplex's uh, success. Data is key. Today, uh, Cineplex Digital Media focuses on a number of key areas. One is audience insights. We think that audience building and understanding the insights that drive your customer will allow you to pivot quickly, be agile. We think that that insight allows you to customize content Increasingly, what we're looking at is in a real-time or personalized way. Make it important to me versus, you know, a say it and spray it type of approach. Key to that also is the reach and targeting. You know, how is it that you can uh, get it out to the impressions that it should connect with and retarget it to the right people? And most importantly, everyone out there is talking about the power of attribution, including ourselves. It's a big part. It's one of the foundation pieces of what we do. One of the most intriguing things that Fab mentioned is how they're using predictive insights. It's never been more important to understand marketing attribution and how best to target your customers. Now, back to Jose. You know, pre-COVID, Toronto Eaton Centre alone had 54 million visits last year to that one property. And so what draws people there? It is a combination of tenant mix. We've also been adding more 
in terms of experience. We launched a content studio last year where we had a number of local and international participants create content. We had Danny Green, former Raptor, come and do his last podcast in Toronto. And then finally, the idea of an attraction. Last year, we had Bianca Andronescu come and present the tree lighting. We had tens of thousands of people come. And I think there's a number of those experiences that we can keep bringing back post-COVID. I don't want to admit that I spent a bit too much of my youth in the Eaton Center and, and <laughs> tell you uh, what decade that was, but it's near and dear to my heart. And as I hear you talk, I, I'm inspired, but also think the mall as destination, the mall as entertainment venue. It's been interesting over the last decade, especially as international travel boomed, to see the surge of tour groups. Think of the Pacific Center in Vancouver that would have uh, crowds coming from cruise ships. But we're not going to see cruise ships probably coming back at scale to the degree they were before COVID. How do you think about the properties that were those great tourism magnets and what they need to do post-COVID? It's interesting because what we've seen, in fact, through some of our work we've done to try and improve that tourist experience when they arrived at the PAC Center or other properties was use the platforms that they're used to using back at home. And so in some cases, that's, you know, Alipay through the Alibaba uh, platform. And what we've ended up finding out is that the shopping conversation continues sometimes after they've left the property because they made an impression and they hold a relationship with that customer on the Alipay platform. And so now we get into a situation where there's global buying happening. So as we learn more about those types of experiences, we're trying to figure out, well, how do we do that at scale? And then there's this other component, which is those tourists are often here to visit friends and family. And so the cycle of events and natural things that happen in your, over your lifetime, those events will still likely trigger some travel in the future. Jose, how do you think about the economics of all this, especially for the retailer? One thing that we have tested but not ruled out is this idea of a consolidated set of services for shipping and uh, returns. When you look at a retailer who has their own supply chain network, and some of them even have invested in their own distribution centers, and you've got trucks on the road and partners who pick up and deliver, that's a high cost. And so if you're trying to figure out, well, I've got to keep inventory at Mall X because that's where the customer is, and I've also got to keep inventory at the distribution center, and then I've got to predict where that inventory needs to be placed so I can do same-day shipping so I can compete with Amazon their existing cost model is already quite high. So I think the economics distribution of the future will be one where through consolidated services, if we can set up a platform in a marketplace that allows them to optimize their bricks and mortar and make the mall not just a shopping area, but mall as warehouse, mall as platform, mall as fulfillment. Now you're talking about scale that that retailer can tap into that they have not had before. Because the history, as you know, is a landlord-tenant relationship. And now I'm you know, basically advocating that we break that down and turn it into us being a business partner that brings these consolidated services to bear, you know, if it's done right, should reduce the cost of operation to help the retailer stay in the property and attract more clients. There's an old saying that retail is detail and distribution is all about detail. Many retailers can't afford to have local distribution centers in every city or for some of them in any city. But a big question is there. Can they rethink their store operations to also include e-commerce and shipping and warehousing? Purolator, the delivery company, is a big player in the mall economy. Here's how Lori Weston, Purolator's Director of Retail, 
is thinking about the opportunity. COVID has affected our shipping business like you wouldn't believe. It's definitely been transformational to say the least. We have seen a direct-to-home deliveries, more e-commerce. It just skyrocketed. Contactless deliveries was huge, and we implemented that really, really quickly. We've also been able to, in retail, implement curbside deliveries for our customers. So really minimizing the lineups. And something else that we've done that we notice, especially with a lot of people being home, sometimes it's difficult to deliver to condos, apartment buildings. So we were able to take one of our mobile trucks and we've loaded up these trucks with all of the condo and apartment building freight. And we were able to just drive to these condos, pop open the side window and call all the customers. And our delivery rate was anywhere from 95% to 100. Well, it's really interesting, you know, before from a lot of our deliveries were based on business to business. Before it would be 50-50. We're now looking at 60-70% residential delivery and less B2B. We launched incredible initiative at the Cadillac Fairview Eaton Centre at our busiest time. There's three things that we took a look at and we actually piloted. One was consolidating and sorting some of the retail tenant freight for outbound by Purolator. The other one was testing a same day for the customers in the mall if they want their shipments delivered within a, the same day. And the third was testing our self-serve kiosks, so customers that are able to shop and ship. The changes we've witnessed during the pandemic are definitely here to stay. Lori mentioned one thing that had transformed Purolator during the COVID crisis, e-commerce. Consumer behaviors are shifting. We're all buying online and expect fast, convenient, contactless delivery. Joseph, give us a sense of what's going on elsewhere in the world. As you mentioned earlier, Cadillac Fairview has a footprint in a number of countries. When you look at malls in Asia, South America, or even the Middle East, how do you see them evolving and what should we learn? What was really surprising to me was how going out to a property like a shopping mall is not only an experience, but it's a place to be seen. It's a true destination. They have some of the best steakhouses, some of the best chefs, some of the best car dealerships, luxury brands, all on the main floor of some of these properties. And what really surprised me, whether that was a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, was the community was out at that local hub in this shopping center. And I think the other part of it was that the reason that customers seemed so comfortable and relaxed was when it came to the actual transaction in the case of retail, many of those packages are delivered for them home. And so they have this initiative called Delivery Center and they have the opportunity as they're shopping to put it into a cart and literally someone puts it on the back of a motorbike and takes it home for them. So they don't even have the hassle of carrying a shopping bag around. When you tie those two things together, I think that's the kind of experience we're seeing from our partners in Brazil. If you go to the other side of the world, specifically China and in Asia, we partnered with the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan and invested in, in an Alibaba new retail fund, which gave us an opportunity to experience what a Hamas store, which is their omni-channel experience, feels like and looks like. So we got a chance to go and visit one of these locations. And I'll describe to you how they took something as simple as grocery and turned it into an amazing experience. But imagine you're buying lettuce, you use your device to scan the lettuce. It tells you when the lettuce was picked, where it came from. You then have three options, buy the lettuce, tag the lettuce into your cart and put it literally into your cart, or tag the lettuce for your shopping event and somebody else comes and bags it for you and ships it home. 
And so that technology all exists. This is an incredible story of disruption and an incredibly interesting story of disruption of entire business models. I wonder as we move towards close, if you can give us a sense as to why Canadians should care about this uh, beyond us as shoppers and clearly uh, better and better experiences can be built and beyond us as retailers. What does all this mean possibly for where the country's going? If you look at the retail industry overall, typically employees two and a half million Canadians. It contributes billions of dollars of spend every year through shopping in physical and on digital. And it has a ton of data. And so for Canada's goals around global artificial intelligence and what we're trying to do at a federal level to be stronger in that area, retail is a perfect place to do that kind of work because of the sheer mass of number of SKUs, supply chain, number of customers who shop, number of visitors who come and shop in our properties. And so from an economic perspective, it's a significant contributor to the Canadian economy. It has people from our communities that obviously work in these areas and, and work in retail. And so I think it is something that is an optimistic view of how we could contribute more. And I think our job is to keep reinforcing how much opportunity there truly is to make it better. That's a great uh, way to close, Jose. Thank you for leading the charge in the way that you're doing and for being part of RBC Disruptors. Thanks so much for including me. After hearing those diverse perspectives on the challenges facing retail today, I'm actually excited about what the future holds, at least for those that pivot now. From my conversation with Jose, I'd say there are four key points that stood out. Number one, online shopping is here to stay, but so too is the blended model. Yes, we love the convenience of e-commerce, but most of us also love to explore, to see. Malls allow us to browse stores while also browsing online and to use online platforms to get the ideal item sent to us whenever and wherever we want. Number two, the mall of the future will be built on data. Malls are a goldmine of data that can help retailers feed information to shoppers while they're shopping and use that data to enhance the shopping experience with alerts, deals, and photos of everything we might need. Number three, delivery services are shifting from B2B to B2C. As customers continue to go online, delivery services are becoming a key part of retailer and restaurant supply chains. Smart malls are figuring out how to get products to shoppers wherever we are. And number four, malls need to be fun and inspiring. It's that magic of emotion and the malls that can wrap that emotion in a safe physical environment will be the ones that thrive. As Canadian businesses slowly begin to open up, there are several lessons that retailers can take with them. The 2020s will be built on digital commerce and fast delivery. The way customers interact with brands may never be the same. So as we move forward, how do we make sure business owners continue to build strong customer relationships? And as global platforms become more powerful, how do we ensure Canadian retailers and malls continue to thrive as hubs in our communities and anchors of our economy? The shopping mall may seem like a vestige of the 20th century, but reimagined for an economy that matches digital convenience with in-person experience, it can be even more relevant and powerful in the years ahead. You've been listening to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about innovation and how we can reimagine the Canadian economy in this time of unprecedented change. 
Disruptors is presented by the RBC Thought Leadership Group. And today's episode was produced by Quill and Origins Media House. If you like this episode, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear where you'd like us to take the conversation in future episodes. Until next time, I'm John Stackhouse, and this is RBC Disruptors.